In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome you to the All Souls Sermon Podcast. In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Please be seated. How do you know that someone loves you? Do you believe it simply because they say those three magic words, I love you? Not a chance. (laughs) We can only come to believe those words as they're built upon a relationship in which we have seen and experienced and been the recipient of another person's care and affection. This is true in every kind of relationship we have. We first learn love in our family of origin as our parents and others care for us. We form loving friendships and, quote, fall in love as we spend time with mutually caring for one another and sharing things that are important to us. Even in more casual relationships or in the kind of love that C.S. Lewis would describe as charity, these are evidenced by a compassion for another, per- for another person that desires what is truly best for them, putting their interests and concerns above our own. Thus, we know firsthand that love involves willful action. The older definition for the word passion, I think, is helpful to add here. Although modern usage has largely confined the term of passion to be one of intense emotion, obsolete definition of that word is suffering. The person or thing that you love passionately is something that you will suffer for and sacrifice for. Sacrifices of time, money, being emotionally vulnerable, etc. Close look at our calendars and our bank accounts can often be revealing for what it is that we truly love. But how do we know that God loves us? We teach our children the song, Jesus loves me, and we should. But we need to be more clear that when we say, because the Bible tells us so, that we don't stop there. We need to look at what the Bible actually says about God's love for us. Thankfully, there are many passages that portray God's love for us in willful action towards us, not just empty words. And our epistle is an excellent example of this and presents for us the gospel of Jesus Christ in a short, clear, concise manner. By the time we arrive in the fifth chapter of Paul's letter to the Romans, he's already spent a significant amount of time detailing for us how mankind is utterly broken and sinful that the wages or result of sin is ultimately death, and of the necessity of believing in God and especially in Jesus Christ in order to be reconciled to God, to be saved. Because of Jesus, we can have peace with God, but that peace didn't happen automatically. It came at a price. As our passage today begins, Paul reminds us there was a time in which you and I were weak, without strength, ill, unable to be reconciled to God through any effort of our own. 
nothing we could do. And in that lowly condition, Jesus came and dies for the ungodly, for all of those who've had no reverence or worship toward God. Who would you die for? Paul demonstrates the extravagance of God's love in his next verse when he reminds us of the truth about ourselves that only seldom, incredibly rarely, might we die for a righteous person. Understood maybe best as, you know, a law-abiding citizen, that kind of person that just tends to always do the right thing. Maybe, rarely, would we die for them. A few more of us, Paul suggests, might be willing to die for someone who we consider to be good, someone who's beneficial to us and to society. But even then, maybe occasionally. And then Jesus in John 15 reminds us that greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. It's extreme extravagant love. But God's love is much greater than that. Jesus didn't come to die for his friends. He died for us when we were sinners. Or as Paul says, when we were enemies. And he didn't ask anything first. God didn't say, believe in me first and then Jesus will die for you. He didn't say, get your act together and then I'll die for you. He asked nothing. While we were sinners, while we were his enemies, he reaches out in love and sends Jesus to die for you and for me. For God so loved the world, He gave the only begotten Son that whomever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That type of love is not just extravagant. It's unimaginable. It's otherworldly. But that's not even all. The church father Ambrosiaster asks a wonderful question. As he wonders aloud, if he died for his enemies... Just think of what he will do for his friends. If Jesus dies for his enemies, just think of what he will do for his friends. We now have peace with God. We have been reconciled to him. And thus we do not fear his wrath or his anger. We have the hope and promise of salvation, not only eternally, but that we can no longer be slaves to sin, as Paul will say in the next chapter, that we can be free from that and live a life for God. The same Christ who died also rose. We will be saved and have the promise of life in him and thus can find reasons to be joyful despite our circumstances, to be boastful of such wonderful love that God has for all the world. The hardest part, perhaps, is actually believing the story to be true. Jesus walked the earth some 2,000 years ago. It's hard for us to hear him speak or to feel his embrace, to know that we're loved. Like we do with everyone else. Depending on our experience with God or how we were maybe perhaps loved poorly, 
We might not even trust God. But yet Christ has left a very tangible experience of himself for us in communion. As we represent week after week, service after service, his death on the cross, the breaking of his body, the shedding of his blood. And he offers it once again to you and I as a reminder of his gift and his ever-present care for us. Certainly God does not remove from us all painful circumstance, but he promises and shows us repeatedly that he is with us through it all, with his extravagant love, with which he welcomes us with open arms. Our experience of God's love comes not only from hearing the scriptures, but from the church being God's hands and feet. As people who have believed this message then sacrifice for others, Help us to know and feel that we are loved by others and by God. This is the message with which Jesus sent out his disciples to practically care for them and to preach the gospel. Generation after generation of disciples have passed on the same stories and shared God's love in action time and again, all the way from then until now such that we see and experience Jesus on the cross, both in the Eucharist, in hearing the story, and of seeing other Christians sacrifice and give of their own lives to us and others. And then we, church, are called to carry that torch, to ourselves become like Christ, sharing this message of the gospel and of the experience of God's love to others. Trusting in God's love is what will enable us to love him in return, and thus to be able to, with the Holy Spirit's help, to obey his commandments and love the world, even the ungodly. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of All Souls Episcopal Church. For service times and more information, go to allsoulsokc.com. God be with you.